Hi guys, I'm Bubba Wheat. And I am Rob Branch. And we are coming at you with a new podcast called Lyrical Innuendo, where we have every episode ask the question that is the most important question in music. And that is, is this song about sex? Mm. So you can find us at rabbitholepodcast.com on Anchor or Stitcher. Yeah, that sounds good. So why don't you just sit down, pop a Viagra, and um, make sure to swallow, because this is going to get deep. In 1978, director Joe Dante and screenwriter John Sayles would bring into existence a movie called Piranha. Now, the IMDb description describes it as flesh-eating piranhas are accidentally released into a summer resort's rivers. The guests become their next meal. I mentioned this was 1978, right? Like, Jaws was 76, and ever since then, movie studios were just trying to bank on that success. So there was a glut of insert animal here, runs amok at insert place, an animal shouldn't be running amok. Or, actually, now that I think about it, I, I guess maybe they should be running amok there, and the humans are the one who shouldn't be there. It doesn't matter. Uh, Piranha is just another film in the long line of films of animals killing humans. But what made this one different was it was considered a comedy of sorts. Now, now don't get me wrong, there's all kinds of blood and guts in the film, but you're not supposed to take any of it seriously. It did well enough. The budget was either $770,000 or $600,000. I guess it depends on who you ask. And they made back $16 million. You know, It's not bad for a B-movie. Uh, but for whatever reason, four years later, in 1982, Warner Brothers, who made the original Piranha, wanted a sequel. And they wanted Flying Piranha this time, goddammit. They just kind of cobbled together some writers, a crew, decided to film in, in Italy for tax reasons, and hired director Miller Drake. Miller Drake, who is not a director, only has one directing credit on IMDb, and it's for Piranha 2, The Spawning. Which is funny, because he would end up getting fired before the shoot would even begin. So, who should we get to direct our fish movie now? Well, they had this special effects director who was super eager to direct the movie. The studio was, eh, why not, and gave him a chance. He would end up almost running the entire shoot from scouting locations to hiring extras. He probably even made the goddamn food for craft, craft services. Anyway, it was very stressful for this young director, so much so that he started having nightmares. He would dream about an invincible robot hitman sent from the future to assassinate him. Sounds fucking terrible, poor guy. Uh, anyway, Piranha 2 to Spawning, which featured Flying Piranha, lest we forget, uh, would get made and it would do terribly, only making $400,000. This film was so bad and such a pain to make that this guy refuses to acknowledge that this was his first film. But now what? It's 1982, he's in Italy full of Italians not speaking English, and he keeps having this nightmare. Robot Hitman from the future. You know what, fuck, that's actually a great idea. Let's write a script. And he wants this to be his first movie he directs. He's very passionate about this robot movie. He shops it around, and there's some interest, but nobody wants to take a chance on the guy whose only directing credit is a flying fish movie. Now finally, like most desperate guys do, they turn to the woman he's dating, uh, named Gail Hurd. She was the founder of Pacific Western Productions, and she would agree to buy his script for a dollar if he directed it. And this was how James Cameron made The Terminator, which came out in 1984. <clears throat> now my favorite piece of trivia about The Terminator is they were having a hard time casting the actual Terminator for the movie. They asked a lot of different people, including people who weren't actors, uh, which led them to asking a football player if he would play the part. And this <laughs> football player almost took the role, but the film's producer said, no, wait, no, no, no. This guy is way too nice to be a killer robot from the future. And that, my friends, is how O.J. Simpson was almost a Terminator. 
All right, I'm going to speed this up. The Terminator would fucking rock the movie world, earning $78.3 million. People loved it. James Cameron was a serious director now. He would go on to write and direct the sequel to Aliens, so cleverly called Aliens, because there's more than one of them now, I suppose. And that would rock everyone's faces off. James Cameron would go on to write and direct another sci-fi classic called The Abyss. I mean, man, James Cameron just fucking ruled the 80s. Who needs flying fish? Now, Arnold Schwarzenegger, during all these successful movies, would keep constantly calling Cameron and say, Hey, buddy, when are we going to make another Terminator movie? I want to be Bach. I apologize for that accent. And Cameron was skeptical because he felt the first movie, you know, did his job. You know, like, why, why bother with a sequel? And any time talk of a sequel would come up, uh, things would just happen, mainly rights issues. Remember James's girlfriend, Gail? Well, they would get married and then get divorced eventually, but she technically owned the rights to the movie because she bought the script for a dollar. Now, if you thought your ex-wife or husband was being petty during divorce, imagine trying to fight over a million-dollar blockbuster film in divorce court. Okay, super long story short, too late. I can hear you saying in your car or on your treadmill as you listen to this. Cameron and Arnold would make a deal with Carl Cole Pitchers because they made Total Recall with Arnold, and they bought the rights from Gale, and now they can make their goddamn sequel. Is this possibly the longest intro to any movie I've done so far? Probably, but it's a sordid tale to be sure. Oh, shit, we haven't even gotten to the movie info yet. Terminator 2 Judgment Day came out on July 3rd, 1991, was budgeted for $102 million, and it earned $520 million back. Holy fuck. It would be the number one movie that opening weekend and would be the number one movie for at least 10 weeks in theaters. Yes, 10 weeks. Back then, movies didn't quickly move to home video. They wanted to be in theaters for a long time. I mean, nowadays, fucking Nope is probably about to be on DVD next week. That's a Jason Soto promise. Terminator 2 would have the distinct honor of being a great example in nerdy film blog arguments over whether or not sequels are always better than the original. We shall discuss that momentarily. Actually, I think I've talked enough. Let's just get on with it. Today on That's the Bomb, Yo, I welcome my friend Heather Baxendale Walsh as we tell you why Terminator 2 Judgment Day is a hella rad movie from the 90s. It's going to feel pretty fucking real to you, too. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day, get it? everybody welcome to that's the bomb yo 90 hella rad movies from the 90s i'm your host jason soto uh today my guest is uh not only a very dear great friend of mine we've known each other for about 10 years uh she is a podcaster herself she's the co-host of uh the milf cast and soon to be coming podcast we're gonna just tease it we're not gonna say the name of it but soon to be coming to Rabbit Hole Podcast, podcast soon enough. It is my friend Heather Baxnail Walsh. Hello, Heather. Welcome. Hi, hi, Jason Soto. You definitely feel like a tough guy to me today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love know, pulling that out for know, no reason. I don't know why you think that's funny. I don't understand. <laughs> Because you did, and that's the best part of it, and I love it, and I'm going to say it when we're 90. <laughs> I hope we live that long, let, and then I won't remember why either. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's live up to that promise. Okay, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. I know it's rude to ask a woman her age, but I was 11 years old when this movie came out. And um, my mom rented it when it came out on video, and I was like, holy shit, this movie's fucking awesome. Did you have any similar experiences the first time you've um, seen it? Okay, so it's fine to ask a woman her age. That's just silly. Uh, I'm 40, so okay. I was 10. I was 10 when it came out, and and 
it was and still is probably the biggest movie going experience I've ever had in my life. My parents let me watch all sorts of crazy shit when I was little. I saw Terminator, mm-hmm. like the the romance between Reese and Sarah. That has been the bar standard for romances and movies and books and everything for my entire life. And that's that's completely ruined me for Wait. my entire life. Yeah. Wait, so your dream guy was a guy from the future coming back in time to save you from a killer robot? That was your that was your dream guy? Super. Not to mention the fact that he was wearing homeless man pants <laughs> that he stole. And no one wore them. <laughs> no underwear. He was no going commando, <laughs> but yeah. a nice pair of sneakers. Right. So... <laughs> True. He he stole the sneakers. The sneakers were brand new, but everything else he had to steal from a homeless guy. Yeah, and it was a one night thing too. I don't know. It it it, it was it was the first pair of boobies I ever saw as well. Mm. I mean, it was just it was a big experience. But it also is the movie that that got me into science fiction and it's the movie that got me into time travel stuff as well, which I know is, is your thing too. Mm -hmm. So, so that is where the seed was planted for me was with Terminator. And as you mentioned too, it definitely stands alone. It would have been just fine as a movie by itself, but um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who also, Still today, since I was a little girl, my favorite movie star of all time. There's nobody even close. Nobody touches okay. Arnie. Okay. I, I've, I, I, there's, there's, I, I just love the man. I still adore him. I, I, I read his newsletter that he sends out every month, and it's like twenty fucking pages long. I don't care. He's great. But at this time in 1991, the Arsenio Hall show was on TV. Okay. And my mom let me watch. <laughs> Arsenio Hall because I loved Arsenio Hall. So I got to watch the Arsenio Hall show all summer long. I think it was on late at night, but I don't think it was on like as late as Letterman or otherwise. But Arnie goes on there and I was super amped the whole entire summer to go see it. My brother's two years younger than me. So I'm 10 and he's eight. This is a very R-rated movie, especially <laughs> especially then. But I mean, my parents let me watch pretty much anything. They were a little weird with sex stuff, but as far as murder and violence went, they were fine. So I see Arnie on Arsenio Hall and he's sitting there. Listen, I've got to tell you, it's going to be the biggest movie of the summer. The biggest movie of the summer, everyone. And then he stood up pumping up the crowd, pumping him up. Oh, my God. But it was it's a moment that is permanently ingrained in my mind. And you know what? It worked. It worked. He got me excited because his enthusiasm was real. It's like Tom Cruise too. They they actually care about their projects and what they do. Yeah, but yeah, as a yeah. kid, kids kids actually can connect to that kind of stuff. So we went and saw it in the brand new theater that they had just opened uh, that was actually close to us because before we had to go quite a way to, to drive to a decent theater. Brand new <clears throat> theater, only five minutes from our house. My parents went opening weekend because that's what you do for a terminator movie and for the first time i sat down in like comfortable squishy seats <laughs> there wasn't cup holders yet or anything that fancy but mm. there was air conditioning it was so nice and they had this new digital freaking screen i mean the whole experience was this big big deal anyway and then on top of it you get movie theater popcorn <laughs> and they had free refills. You bet your ass I got my free refill. <laughs> but I got it before the movie started because my brother and I destroyed it. Yes. But it, it was. It was it was <clears throat> that big of an experience. So when we sat down and watched it, you know, there's nowhere to go but down from there. That's not true. It It's since that day, whichever day it was, the third, the fourth, whichever it was that we saw, but we saw the 4th of July weekend, opening weekend. Yeah. It has and will remain in my top 10 movies of all time. Nine. Okay, yeah. I think I think we're done here. That, that's it. We're up from the show. That's it's, it. It's it's I can't not top gonna that. budge. I can't top that. No. Uh, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's one of my most. It's one of my, the best movie experiences I've ever had in my I, whole life. It's it's a big part of why I love movies now. I got I got a lot to unpack with that. First off. I have to say that I'm jealous that your first pair of boobies was Linda Hamilton's. I <laughs> know. Good job, mom that's, and dad. That that that's I'm very impressed. I'm very happy for you. They're that's, beautiful too. I don't I don't know. Really? I don't know what my first pair of breasts were in a movie. I don't honestly remember. The earliest I can really recall was like a random girl in stripes. Ooh. 
like you know, you've seen the movie Stripes, right? Bill Murray and Oh, Stripes, like literally, yes, yes. Like yes. the movie Stripes with Bill that. Murray. <laughs> I don't know what you thought I said, and I'm a little concerned, but <laughs> no. I was thinking mo- of a girl in like striped socks. No, 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 no. Like roller skates, the eighties, the nineties, you know, it would have been a perfect timing. I think my first pair of movie boobs was the movie Stripes. There's a scene where um, Dan Lorquette's character is looking at girls showering from, like, his office through binoculars, and they show, like, the girl showering. That might have been that, or I felt like it's Porky's. It's I, one those, of the two. Yep. It's those one are of the, the two. two. Those are the two, I think, that are most common from our, our generation. I think so, and Fast yeah. Time at, Fast Times at Ridgemont Oddly High enough, I was very late to watching Fast Times, so I did not watch that when it was new. So I, I was well into my teenage years when I saw Phoebe's Kate's boobs. But, um, but yeah, I think those were my first pair of boobs on movies, was either Stripes or um, Porky's. I, I can't honestly remember. Because I've seen so many since then, Heather. I can't keep track. How well, I can't keep track since then, but I mean, <laughs> since then, I've been holding all of them up to the standards of Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton, yeah, Linda <laughs> Hamilton, yeah. That that's a damn yeah. good. Um, and they're they're beautiful. She's she's <clears throat> a beautiful they're woman. Very with a... very much so. Yes, absolutely. So, yes. Uh, moving on to Terminator Two, uh, she got jacked. Yeah, in, she did in Terminator Two. Like her intro scene is her working out, like doing um. Um, what that was pull that ups. called? Thank you, pull ups in yeah. her cell. Uh, she's in a uh, mental institution or something, an asylum of sorts. Yeah, uh, because she's going around telling people, um, "Hey, in like five years from now, there's go- oh, the robots are going to take over and kill all of us, and Judgment Day is going to happen." On uh, hang on, I remember the date. Hang on, don't don't, don't say anything. I want to say it's August twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven. Now Correct. Gonna, is that it? Yep. Anyone not wearing 10 million sunblock is going to have a real bad day. Get <laughs> yes. <it>? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is Judgment Day. It was 1997. Now I remember. Yes. I remember on August 28th, 1997, watching The Daily Show, and they mentioned that, hey, today is the Judgment Day <laughs> from Terminator 2. And they were just like showing like clips from the movie like that entire day. It was fun. Um, but yeah, fucking Linda Hamilton got jacked in this second movie, um, and you know, I don't know if that was a, a an early example of you know like nowadays you hear like you know actors get cast for these like tough guy tough guy roles, and you know they work out like a big example I could think of is like Chris Pratt when he got Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, like he yeah. was this slubby kind of overweight loser on Parks and Rec, and then he gets cast as Star Lord, and then suddenly he's just this Jack Buff guy. So that's like very common like nowadays. But I felt like back in the '90s, you know, maybe even the '80s, oh, like during the '80s movies, yeah, it was it was a very big deal, and it was very and it wasn't just a big deal because it wasn't as such a common thing to talk about them, but also because she was a woman. Like it was very at the time, even even as as women in action roles and that type of thing were becoming more prevalent, you still they still have maintained a lot of their femininity, which I have no issue with that whatsoever. It's not a complaint on my part, but you didn't want to see them like to me. I look at uh, Sarah in that movie and she's still very feminine. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Fully, fully, fully woman. But James Cameron, whether people like him or not, I he has a vision of women that <laughs> that that I appreciate, and yeah. he and he doesn't give them superpowers. Vasquez, no. Vasquez was another one. She was totally yeah. ripped, yeah, ripped, and that was her first role. Um, Ripley, Ripley was not like super ripped or whatever. She was just an everyday woman. These True. are all attainable attainable goals and real life people that are are working hard to get to where they were at, but. Uh, Linda Hamilton's training for that was rigorous and and you can see too the the shot where she's she catches on fire and the the dream element oh there, yes 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 that's her that's her twin sister playing her part there her twin sister oh, Leslie yeah. yes yes and and I think that you know she's done stuff in other aspects too but uh but you can see that that their bodies are they're they're identical twins, so they yeah. have exactly similar builds. But you can see she actually looks like the Sarah from the first movie, who's soft and this, whatever. This movie utilizes twins in an interesting way because 
um, the villain, the the T one thousand, is uh, liquid metal, and he can like mimic. Uh, played by the awesome Robert Patrick, by the way. Fucking Robert Patrick steals oh, this he's movie. He's so good. He's so fucking good in this movie. Like Jesus. Like, I have you seen this boy? Have you seen this boy? And then he shows up at Wayne's World too. That's probably like my favorite cameo no, in any movie. <laughs> so great and i love wayne's world wayne's world's in yes. right up there is one of my favorites of all time and that just takes it to another level of glory um, but this movie uses <sighs> twins because he can mimic how people look like one example is the the fat security guard guy yeah we're um, getting his coffee and so so um he has a twin brother and i don't know if you remember or not but they show up in gremlins 2 like, oh yeah! Those two guys, they show up as twins in like the lab that they they have in fucking Gremlins too. Yes, and you're right. Which that is an a, that is an awesome movie too. By is. the way, I think I have that on my list actually. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So you know, I love the usage of twins in this because you know it's, it's the guy mimicking it's clever. people. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. That's that's another aspect of this movie that was that was completely groundbreaking <clears> in so many ways. And and one of the things I love about everything that Cameron does. There's nobody who does more cutting edge technology than Cameron. Yes. He's always there. I mean, you've got Spielberg mm. up there too. Peter Jackson's up there now. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's, it's always Cameron leading the pack and mm. he never ever stops with the practical effects and no. the, the simple, yes. the simple tricks. He meshes them together so seamlessly and beautifully and doing things like using the twins and utilizing that. Well, at this point, he could have tried and just gone, hey, let's just do the CGI. But that's not how Cameron does things. He's like, we're going to make this look right. We're going to make it last. And and if you look at this movie, it's still, I mean, you can catch a few flaws here or there now, but mm -hmm. it's it's pretty damn seamless. And no. considering no, 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 the CGI no, no. is that old and it was the first time it was done in a movie, it's it's incredible. Okay, so later on... Later on in the movie, there's a uh, chase scene, and they're using a helicopter to chase. The helicopter goes under a fucking bridge, and James Cameron actually had a helicopter go under that goddamn bridge. And you know how fucking dangerous that shit is? And he filmed it. He had someone do that. Like, yes... That's why he's the man. Practical effects, yes. That's now, why he's the man. Even oh, you know that you know the the scene in the beginning where they do blow up the entire world. First yeah. of all, that scene actually, I think that costs more than like the whole entire first movie. <laughs> Probably, to be made. Well, I'm sure. They, yes. But they use they use like weird stuff to to have the buildings crumble away. I think they use like frosted flakes or something. Oh. So when you see the buildings and you see the the effect of like ash, it's actually like cereal. Yes. It's 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 fantastic. I love knowing those little things. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that yeah, that that's that's perfect. Um okay, so the the plot so the plot of these movies are in, both Terminator and Terminator 2 are interesting. So, we got in the future in 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 the first movie, the far far future, uh there's a war between robots and humans. And uh the humans are being led by a guy named John Connor. And he's leading the resistance, and they're fighting these robots and whatever. So the robots, they get this idea. Hey, we're going to send one of our robots back in time to kill the leader's mother. So that way, he doesn't become the leader in the future. Which and, is brilliant. And, which is kind of brilliant, yeah. Because he's such like a great leader. Like he's, he's, he, he's, he's a very good tactical guy, and he, you know, he knows his shit. Now, he gets wind of this, and so he sends one of his soldiers back in time to protect his mom. Uh, and this is where Kyle Reese comes in. And unbeknownst to him, <laughs> he sends his own father back in time. Which but, has... but he does know. <laughs> but does he, he does know. Does he? Yes, because this, he... this is the time. This is, this is where we get the time paradox. Well, okay. And we, we, have, we have the problem because Sarah makes the, the tape for John. Yes. And... She can't decide whether or not she wants to leave it for him and let him listen to it. 
Yes. And let him know because does if she lets him know, will he still send Kyle back? And if he doesn't send Kyle back, then he will they die? Okay, and then how will he be conceived? He won't be made because yeah. that's his father. So like that whole entire thing, you can just sit there and, and go in circles with and, it for a year and it'll make your brain explode. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it has, has a guy who overthinks time travel stuff. Like it really makes you like ponder like, Okay, so he he's this great, wonderful leader in the future, and he's you know really great at killing robots or whatever it is he's good at. Um, he's gonna send someone to protect his mom in in the past, um, and then uh, but then he ends up becoming his own his father. You know, he sends his father back in time. Uh, so yeah, that is an interesting little paradoxical thing going on there. And it, it makes, it makes your but, head explode if you think about it a little too much. But think about it this way too. <clears throat> so he sends Arnie back the second time in this movie, yes. but he's going to have the memory. This is, this is assuming the timeline is, it's not linear, but assuming the timeline's connected and there's only one timeline, yes. which is the question of the film anyway. And that's what this one really gets into, which I find most yes. interesting about it, uh, is he would have had the memory of Arnie being back with him mm-hmm. and having that experience with him. Did that actually, is that part of his memory or did that only happen? What came first, the chicken or the egg here? Yes. So that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting, you know, thing to, to go into too, which is also the whole entire main <clears throat> theme is fate. Is yes. our destiny yeah. already determined? No fate, but what we make. <laughs> yes. I'm literally okay. So everybody who's listening to this, don't tell anybody. But um, I meant <laughs> to get a tattoo at the beginning of the summer, and I didn't have time to yet. And then I got stupid COVID. But that's what I'm getting tattooed on my back. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, no fate, but what we make. That's I'm obsessed awesome. with. Holy shit! Obs- <laughs> it's 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 at the the intro of my book that I just. I'm going to buy Heather. I'm going to buy your book. I just have not been able to. I haven't had the money yet. I promise you, oh, I'm going to okay. buy your book. You know, you bought my book. It's only fair that I buy your. I will buy yours. I swear to God, I will. Okay. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I will. I will. I will. I promise. I but just yes. want you to read it. But there's there's a lot of there's I do. a lot of there's there's a lot of that theme in it because I I'm do. obsessed with the the fate and destiny okay. thing of okay. of how okay. much. And and a lot of it comes from this movie. I mean, this yes. has had a huge impact on my life as a writer, as just a creator in general, and and in and really and truly understanding the universe in itself. Anyway, so the and that's kind of what Sarah is struggling with because she's a mother, and especially now that I'm I'm a mother, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I don't know. I didn't as a kid, and I still worship the ground she walked on. Yeah, but she's she wants to do everything she can to protect her child, not just while she's here. But after she's gone, she wants to have the world be better for her child. She doesn't yeah. want to leave. And I mean, I, I feel like Cameron did this on purpose, too. Are we leaving the world better than when we came into it? No, we're not. Look what we're doing. We have a responsibility to our children. It's a. I feel like it's a big, big underlying theme. And I see that because I see it in a lot of his other films also. But, But with this, it's. Okay, so are we, by fighting what we know is going to happen, are we actually playing into the hands of fate? Mm-hmm. Or do we leave it alone and just see what happens? Because maybe if we don't do anything, you know, you, you'll go crazy thinking about that. It's it's like the Kyle, the leaving the message for for John about Kyle being yeah, his yes. father and that kind of thing. I love <clears throat> that. And, and, and it's an unending conundrum to sit there and, and think about. Exactly. But if you believe if you believe your fate's predetermined, then you don't think about much at all. And I think you're really <laughs> and if that's the case too, I also think you're really fucking boring. And I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anytime I... anyone tells me something happens for a reason, I'm like, I'm gonna kick you in your fucking shit. Oh, everything happens for a reason, Heather. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, suck it long and hard. Long um, and hard. So um then... buttons on your underwear. No, I'm just trying to get my train of thought going. I know, um, but you can't say so and me not say buttons on your underwear. <laughs> it's a rule. Fair enough. Okay, so then the second movie, now it's it's more about, okay, so the robots failed the first time. Uh, so they're going to try again, but they're going to try, you know, several years later where John Connor is now a little kid. So, so they're going to send a robot, but they're not going to send any robot. They're going to send a T-1000 who... Uh, is able to transform into liquid metal 
Heavy metal body is basically very unstoppable because you can't just shoot at it and stop it. It it absorbs no, bullets. It's, it's stabbing sort of, weapons, and it can turn into sharp things. It can mimic people. It can mimic voices. It's a mimic. Basically, if you play D anD D, it's a mimic, and um, uh, and so it's gonna go back, and it, its own mission is just to kill John Connor. Like just find John Connor as a little kid, and and do it, and then of all things, it becomes a cop. It turns into a cop. It it kills a cop, and it it goes around being a cop. And it's like great cover because now you can find this kid, you know, without being suspicious because you're just a cop and you're like, you know, oh, he's trying to find this kid, um, who he's probably in trouble or he's missing or whatever. So no one's gonna question a cop white or looking for a fucking kid. Um, so John sends another robot back, and then now question heather now you know let's not think about the fact okay the, the sequel had to start arnold schwarzenegger let's not yes. think about that for a second okay. why would you send a the same robot that went after your mom <laughs> 11 years prior <laughs> or however many years it was like why would you send the exact same robot to your mom and to your past self like you know what i mean like that'd be a little problematic I feel like again we come to the the time paradox situation here. Where mm. is it he sends he sends him because that's who he had when he was a kid? Did he pick that version? Did he pick that that skin job because because there were other there were other terminators that had different skin jobs. It wasn't just they all looked like Arnie. The T800s didn't all look like Arnie. They actually established that in the first film. Um so he did have options, but I I think that it was the sentimentality of of the fact that that was that was his buddy when he was that age and and you know that aside from all the craziness that did happen in this movie i mean it was the closest thing that john ever had to a dad and it was in his yeah. adolescence as well as this whole this big true. coming of age thing yeah, there's there's a true. lot there's so much there that's is going there on is here. in the like the under mm. underbelly of this film there's a lot of weird things to unpack yeah but that's what makes <laughs> it a really really great movie and not just an entertaining simple action um, flick uh, so, uh, yeah, he sends, he sends the, he sends the, uh, the Arnie version of, of, uh, of the Terminator back. Uh, and then, you know, I gotta love the scene where, you know, Sarah Connor, you know, she's traumatized by the, the robot, you know, you know, terrorizing her back, you know, in the first movie. And she's trying to tell people like, you know, Hey, there's these killer robots from the future. They sent back in time, blah, blah, blah. And then she's trying to escape this thing and then the fucking thing that you've been having nightmares for for like 10 whatever years <laughs> is like down the hall and you're like holy fuck like the look of terror that Sarah Connor had in that scene when he's walking down that hall it was real like she's <laughs> like oh shit fuck god damn like and then he's like <laughs> come with me if you want to live <laughs> And then, she, then, yeah, and the, it's just totally. And then, like, she spends most of the movie not trusting it. Like, it takes her a little while to start to trust it. And I don't blame her. You she don't trusts blame it her. With, she trusts it with John, but she can't be around it. And, yeah. And no, you you can't. But at the <clears throat> end, she 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 lets him know he did good. Yeah. I mean, there, but that, yeah, the mind fuck of that and her reaction, she literally falls to the yeah. ground. And yes, that is such a great scene. Oh, it's that, so good. I love that part. And then when he, uh, when the, the T-1000, the liquid metal goes through the bars and and then uh. the, the, the the doctor or whatever is like drops his, whatever he had in his mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was getting a needle ready to to juice her up with because yeah. they were trying to. I think they were trying out. to get her. Yeah. Yeah, she was yeah, freaking the fuck out. Because she was about to get the hell out of there. Yeah. yeah it was. It was. was so it was cool. the whole. The whole. The whole chaos of yeah. of all of it. But I mean, um, that's where you get locked up if you try to blow up computer companies. Exactly. I guess. I mean, unfortunately. Exactly. But. Yeah. Um. So, but it's um, it's it's a it's a good moment, which leads to the the elevator scene where the T one thousand is on top, and you're just getting the, yes. the the knives stabbing down. I mean, there is legitimately scary shit. In there this is. Movie too. This, there this is. has some horror elements to it. Like James Cameron, like you know, we could argue if Aliens is a is a horror movie. Um, Aliens has horror elements to it. It really does. That's I think that there's a combination of action, adventure, science fiction, horror. Um. I don't know. This... If, okay, now 
it's been like a thousand years since I've seen The Abyss, so I can't speak on this. So maybe you can oh, tell me. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, has, I just watched oh, it again last year. Has James Cameron ever made, or do you think he could make a legit straight up horror movie? Just straight horror. I think he has the ability to. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he has any interest in it. I, I don't I don't think that he does. And I'm, one of the aspects I think that actually would play really well into it is that he does have a really good sense of humor. Yes. His, his humor <clears throat> plays really well with the types of characters that he makes. Uh-huh. And and I think a lot of these would definitely transfer well into a horror landscape. And a lot a lot of it, a lot of his movies are about survival. Yeah. And I and yeah. survival survival movies are kind <clears throat> of my one of my favorite things anyway, or shows and that kind of stuff too. It was one of the things I loved about walking dead and then it stopped being about surviving. Um, but I yeah, just, I think, I think Cameron could, I think Cameron could do it. I just don't think he wants to I kinda, he gets I, stuck on I, something I, and he's yeah, obsessed. He yes. likes water. Fucking, the man likes fucking mm, water. Fucking avatar, <laughs> fucking avatar, man. Fucking avatar. And before that Titanic, it was like 10 years of Titanic, the making of Titanic, the making of the making of Titanic. And you know, I watched all of it too. <laughs> I watched all of it, bro. For like just... three years, I was all in Titanic shit because I was obsessed with Titanic um, before the goddamn movie was made. So I'm I'm just screwed. Yeah, I just realized <laughs> this is the second James Cameron movie we're covering because we covered Titanic back in episode three. So yeah, this is the second James Cameron movie. But um, yeah, I kinda... oh, and he did the abyss too underwater. He yeah, likes there you water. Go. He does. He <laughs> seems to like water. Um, but uh, I kind of am curious if if you know. I want to live in a timeline where he makes like a legit horror movie. Now, I don't got to be like a corny slasher or anything. No, you know, no, it could it could no. be something a little more meaty to it. Um, but I would like to see just like a straight he, horror. Movie. He could do he I, I he could do straight horror. But if you wanted to even just give him a little bit of his his you know his happy place and mm. give him science fiction, look at something like Event Horizon. Yeah, you could do something like that, or or go. like a. Or like a good version of Supernova. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that, so I can't speak on that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, that was during my video store days. I just remember watching it, and I hate watched the whole thing. Oh man! Uh, yeah, but just as an example, it's it, he. I think he could. Yeah, I think he could definitely walk and live in that landscape. I just don't think we're ever going to see um, it. Uh, so yeah, okay. So the, those are the basic plots of this movie. It's just basically people in the future are sending things back to the past to to either stop somebody from doing a thing uh or prevent the thing from happening uh and then they end up like you know we need to get rid of skynet we need to we need to stop skynet at the source uh this is where they go to miles dyson i believe that's his name dyson dyson Dyson. yeah dyson he he's the guy he's the guy that's gonna create skynet and uh, he ends up he, he has possession of the arm of the Terminator from the first movie, uh, which was clever. I liked how they worked that in because the yeah. ending of the term the first movie, the Terminator gets you know compressed, but the only thing that made it was the arm, and then and the chip and the, and chip, the chip and the chip. But it was yes. damaged. There was it was damaged. It wasn't fully functional. There was like three quarters of it in existence. Um, so they had, and that's, and that again, this is where you go into what came first, the chicken or the egg, because that is how they ended up developing all the technology to make Skynet in the first place, based on the technology that existed from Skynet, the Skynet sent from from the future. So yeah. what came first? But if they took that away, would there have just been something else? I love these questions. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So they're trying to get rid of, you know, Skynet oh, and get rid uh, of, uh, a, a really cool thing too, and I'm 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 99 sure I haven't watched it in a in a while, so if I'm mistaken, but I'm 99 sure it was actually her, the actress who plays uh, Dyson's wife. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Um, I can't remember I can't remember her name right now, but on the TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was really good, and people didn't watch it, and you suck. Lena Headey was a great Sarah Connor, okay. and, and and like the only person I think is acceptable to play her other than Linda, but uh. She ended up coming on one of the episodes, and and she maybe I'm thinking of Terminator Three. Oh, it's uh, S. M. Patha Merkerson. This. Yeah, I think I think she showed up on an episode of the show, or maybe I'm thinking of Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Uh, But I think I think she was on an episode of the show, which I thought was kind of cool too. Let me see, because I I am familiar with this actress. She shows up in Law and Order. She's in a lot of Law and Orders. Um. 
but uh, she was on. <coughs> I don't actually see either of those. <laughs> Maybe I'm imagining it in my damn head then. Mm, I... Heather. Unless, Heather, unless, Heather you know? are you jumping through realities again? Maybe it was a different actress, and I just want it to be that. You know what? Maybe it is. It's Maybe it was fair. a different timeline. No, it it's a fair. Timeline. No, it's a different yeah. timeline. Exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Soto, so mm. much. I knew yeah, that you'd understand. Welcome. Yes, I, I completely understand. Okay, uh, Edward Furlong, he plays young John Connor in this. This is um, not his earliest role, but it's a pretty early role. It's it's. Um, it's uh, puberty. Uh, no, I take it back. That's his first role. Holy shit. That's his exact first <laughs> uh, role. I wow. know that he had to. I think he had to audition for it a couple times because he freaked out in his uh, in his read with Linda Hamilton. Which, fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, this is his first role, and you know he would go on to be in like a lot of stuff. Um, uh, most notably, I'm going to mention is American History X. Yes, that's a brilliant movie. That's a great movie. Actually, I don't think I had that on the list. I will have to add that to the list. You should definitely um, add that to the list. That's required watching geez, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yeah, this is his first movie. I can't believe it. I thought at least it was like he had something before this. But no. I thought he had done something <clears throat> no. before it. IMDb that's, has this as his first movie. That's a hell of so a premiere. That's, good that's good a job, fucking Eddie. Start. Yeah, what the hell, man? Good job, man. You picked he, this as he your was first good. And movie. <laughs> And they, they did. They had to go uh, re-record his voice afterwards, though, because halfway through, he started getting the, the scratchy, puberty <laughs> yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah. So they had yeah. to go through afterwards and re-record it all. So like, I, know there, I know there are people that complain about it, but there was nothing that the poor guy could do about it. He was still great. Oh, he was wonderful. He was brilliant. This was, like, for a first movie? Jesus Christ, he was great in this. He was. Um, it was very, he was very natural, and he had really good chemistry with both, with, Sarah and the Terminator. It yeah. was it was it was legit. Yeah, he had emotional scenes, he had action scenes, he had uh you know, you know, kick ass scenes, he had some comedic scenes. Like he did like everything in this movie. He he like ran the gambit. Like good job, Edward Furlong. Um uh what else about this? Um so okay, let's get to, let's get into this discussion because we're movie nerds, you and I. Um yes. do you agree that a lot of sequels are not better than the first. Just, just answer that question first. Do you agree oh. that most sequels, for the most part, unless it's part of a franchise, like I'm not counting like Harry Potter or stuff like that. I mean, like uh, stuff you know, that they... was intended <clears throat> to be. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. For the most part, sequels usually take a uh, a negative direction. It's it's not usually a good thing. The usually, sequels usually. It, Usually sequels are like this. It's a cash grab. We're just trying to make money from the first movie yes, being successful. Yes, yes, and I see. We you see that more now than you did in the past. But yeah, but certainly, but certainly, <clears throat> yes, I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment overall. So then, with that said, would you say that Terminator Two is probably the number one best example of how the sequel is possibly better than the first? I have two other examples. <clears throat> one that is better, and that is Aliens. Okay, James, James Cameron. We're sticking to James Cameron. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 true. Aliens is is probably the my number one example of the best sequel ever made. Um, uh -huh. one that is arguable, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put it against anybody is uh, the Godfather Part Two as well. Yes, um, I I <clears throat> I prefer it over the first. But if somebody were to say the first is better, I'm not going to argue that point. Either. That, That's, I think you it's know subjective. What? Yes. You are right That's, about. I, you know what, Heather, I agree with all all of those points. You are right. Um, Yay! But this is this is number <laughs> this this slides right into the number three slot for me. Right. Here are yeah. examples of how how they can they can be better when when done right. <clears throat> exactly because you know you you think like you know I can't imagine like in 1991 you see they're making Terminator two and Terminator like I said came out in '84. So we're already like however many years I can't do basic math right now, but however many years between eighty four and ninety one happened, um, and they're like you know Terminator two, like another robot going back in time, like okay fine, and then it ends up being fucking amazing, like one of the best fucking movies of all time. It's number twenty nine on the IMDb top two hundred movies. It's yeah. 29. That's not yeah. nothing to sneeze at. 
No, no. And I have no shame. <clears throat> I, 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 I've, I, I, I say this too. And I think a lot of us big movie nerds would probably agree. We have our top 10 favorite movies. And yep. then we have a top 10 movies that we think are the best movies ever made. Uh -huh. um, Terminator two slides right right still 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 in there for me maybe not in the top 10 of best ever made but pretty damn fucking close yeah and if, if not <clears throat> absolutely in the top five science fiction films of all time indeed yes absolutely absolutely and you know uh it's and it's hard so to... long but 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 you don't you don't get that length no, watching it either you, you don't, don't feel that Every it, every frame is very entertaining. Like there's not a bad scene in this movie. Like I can't even think of one that I don't like. Like there there's really like everything's just great. <clears throat> um now, second question, kind of a follow up, weird follow up. Did you ever play the video game? <laughs> are you talking on, about the one that they had at NES. the arcade? No, no, no. On NES. Oh. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, I did. I okay. didn't own it. But I rented it. Yes. Yes, I have Was that it. shit not the hardest fucking video game on the face of the fucking planet? Or do you remember? I, I can no, tell I you. I remember. I got my ass kicked. And that is I got that's the stars. A, they had they had a, a a version of it too that they had um that they would they put on the arcade <clears> at uh one of the bowling alleys I used to go play games at when my parents in the in the early nineties when my parents Now was that would just like a bowl. shoot 'em up type thing where you're just shooting at the no robots. no it's the same thing where you're you're going through it's it was it was it was really? very similar yep really very similar and wow, super okay. ridiculously hard i got my ass owned so i just okay. kept going back to teenage mutant ninja turtles let's okay so let's let's commiserate because okay i remember playing the video game my uncle had an nes and he, <laughs> and he ended up buying terminator 2 because you know it's a fucking awesome movie and of course you're gonna buy the video game version um so i'm gonna go over to the levels and i'm gonna see if this strikes a memory so the first level is your your determinator your Arnold and you're you have to go through the bar and you have to fight the people in the bar and it's an easy enough scene or level I guess um but it, it's basically you're just mashing buttons to fight these bikers yep. off now yep. that kind of lulls you into a false sense of security because you're like okay that's not terrible it's not bad then the second level is the motorcycle scene where they're going through the 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 aqueducts uh, yep. in LA and they have to shoot back at the at the semi. Okay, that level can go fuck itself. That level belongs in fucking hell. When you die, Heather, when you and I die and we go to hell because you know me and you, we're going to hell. Um, That's right. Uh, the Satan is going to make us play that level for all of eternity because it is the worst fucking thing on the face of the planet. So you're trying to simultaneously drive this motorcycle forward through these aqueducts. And then there's these very narrow, like little doorways you have to go through. Um, <clears throat> so you have to not only dodge, you know, go through these doorways, you got to dodge like trash that's in the road. And then the truck the semi is coming up behind you and then you have to push another button so you can have Arnold turn and shoot at it with the shotgun. But you still have to navigate through the trash and you still have to go through the fucking like little gates to go to the other side of the aqueduct. It is the worst goddamn level of any video game I've ever played. <laughs> um, I'd completely forgotten about it. You just made me relive all of it. I never got past that part. <laughs> never, ever got past that part. So guess what? <clears throat> that is hell. In Supernatural, uh, Crowley makes it everybody standing in line. And then once you get to the door you're supposed to go in, you just have to stand in line again. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> which, which for me would be fucking hell. Yeah. But this would be right there parallel to it yeah yeah i never got past it i never got now, past the semi nope never did i was always terrible at those kinds of controls anyway i was a button masher when i played games well be envious of me because i eventually figured it out and i beat the level i am yeah you know kids today they don't know shit about our gaming woes and i had my yeah yeah no 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 they they the, wouldn't be able to last through that the third level is you're going through Skynet planting bombs to blow up, but you got to do them in this really ridiculous order, and it's even harder. So you're you're lucky yeah. you didn't get past it. So yeah, so the video game was fucking terrible, but the movie was awesome. The movie is awesome, and that's the what movie we're here. Is, yeah, we're here to celebrate the movie. The movie, um, the, the movie is is the best. Let's let let's get blasphemous for a second. 
What are your thoughts on the movies that came after Terminator 2? Okay. I, I have no problem talking about this at all. Rise of the Machines <clears throat> didn't happen. I just erase it. I watched it. <laughs> which is... <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by the way, I will give you another reason why I thought uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles was a really cool show was because they did the same thing. They were like, uh, let's just pretend like that shit didn't happen. We aren't giving Sarah Connor fucking lung cancer. That's bullshit. Bitch doesn't die that way. So so props to that. Uh, Rise of the Machines didn't happen. I watched it again uh, a couple years ago, I think in preps for Dark Fate, uh, and I decided I still hated it. It's awful. Um Salvation was next. Salvation actually is not a bad movie and it has bad parts in it. And I almost feel like if they didn't have to try to so hard to make some of the connections they did, and maybe if Christian Bale wasn't still playing Batman at the time, nah. it would have been better. But that movie, it's entertaining. It's an entertaining movie. It is nah. fun to watch, but it has some of the best sound I have ever heard in a film <laughs> in my entire life. Nope. It is amazing. Now that was the movie that he was filming when he went on that tirade on the that was on the internet, right? The oh, good for you. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? Yeah, it was either it, <laughs> was he it was filming. Movie? It was either that or it was Batman. He was doing both of them like within mm. a year of each other, and he was still doing. I think it was. I think it was Terminator, though. I think you're right. I think it was um, Terminator as well. Yeah. But I I like Salvation. It has some really really dumb parts and some stupid stuff. But I mean, it's still got freaking Sam Worthington, who is one of my favorite generic white guys. It's got Anton Yelchin, <laughs> who's great in it. It's got Moonblood in it, and she's amazing. And it's got uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in it briefly. Mm. It's got Common in it briefly. I mean, mm. and and I, I'm pretty sure Michael Ironside gets blown up in it. I mean, there and Helena Bonham Carter being really creepy. But I, I think Danny Elfman did the score for it. It's uh. it's it, anyway. It's it's a, it's a dumb movie for the most part, but it's entertaining and fun. So I'm okay with it, and I actually will rewatch it on occasion and be totally entertained. Genesis yeah. is fucking blasphemy. It is the biggest pile of shit <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Okay? I will get fucking mad about Genesis. I I am so mad. First of all, they gave me they gave me my my uh, Amelia Clark playing. <sighs> She was awful. She was so terrible as Sarah Connor. And ironically, at the time, she was still doing Game of Thrones with Lena Headey. And I'm like, Lena Headey was a badass, Sarah. Why can't you do that? Guess what? Cersei's going to whoop your ass. So I had that, you know, inner monologue going on at the time. But also, you made John Connor the bad guy. Go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself. What that a pile of weird. shit. That, that was weird. That was fucking weird. No, no. Eat, eat a pile of fucking garbage pants with that no underwear. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will not get over that. I will not forgive that. There is no forgiveness for that. And then you make Jai Courtney, who I do like as a generic white guy, as the bad guy. Um, mm. You make him play my Michael Bean role. Go fuck yourself with that, too. The only cool part of that movie was Arnie, and that was it. And yeah. I won't, and I, and I can't even suffer through it to watch Arnie be awesome in it. Like some of the <laughs> stuff that they did was really cool with him, but I, I, I can't remember because if I watch it again, I'll, I'll just burn my eyeballs. Um, <laughs> okay. Dark Fate, Dark Fate, I liked. Dark Fate was fun. Dark Fate, it, it, it took the series forward. It was basically doing a, hey, we're, we're, we're signing it off to you now. We're done. Like. Uh, like uh, Arnie says in, in it, he says something about being back, and he's like, I'm not coming back this time. If you want to know <laughs> who almost cried in the theater? I almost cried in the theater. <laughs> there was some ridiculous, stupid stuff that happened in that movie. Some of it wasn't great. Some of the story was a little bit lopsided and and whatever, but it paid its homage to to what started it, and, and it ended it well enough. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie, so... So I'm. It's not one that I'm going to turn on often. I'll probably actually. It, I think it was a better movie than Salvation, but I'll watch Salvation more than I'll watch that. Okay. All right. Um, the only so there's sequels, the breakdown. There's the only <laughs> sequels I've seen was was three, um, and Genesis. Those were the only ones I've seen. I didn't see any of the other. Oh ones. no! You saw um, the worst ones. You saw the yeah, worst ones. Yeah, I did. No, I did. You're right. I did. Yeah. I, I well, fully acknowledge that I did. I 100. percent And I I that. highly recommend going into uh, going into the Sarah Connor Chronicles too. There's only two seasons okay. of okay. it. Okay. There's a lot of really really cool actors on there that are great. Some of them don't like 
really start showing up to later. I, I happen to be a huge, and not a lot of people know who he is, but I love Garrett Dillahunt and he's on there. He's, he's a, there's so many Terminators on there too. The time travel <laughs> stuff, Soto, you would love it. There are so oh, much nice, nice, time nice, travel. Nice. There is so much time travel, time paradox stuff in it. It is like all over that. Summer Glau's in it also. She's wonderful. Mm. Um, it's just, it's it's really, really fun. Shirley Manson shows up in the, the final oh. season. Oh, yeah, nice. she's, she's a T-1000. It's really, I mean, she probably is, right? <laughs> yeah i love her i love her but yeah um, I, I i highly recommend uh checking that show out for you but okay. um i will definitely, definitely i will definitely check it out absolutely uh okay so just to wrap up is there any other like final thoughts or words or anything you want to say in terms of terminator 2 um specifically you know is is you know we we've established why it's your favorite movie we we, we got all that but is there any like final thing you you want to say that you want to get out there it's it's a hallmark of of a 90s movie anyway it really sets the tone for for the change in cinema and what movies look like from here on out but definitively through the 90s as well for good or bad in some cases but it's it's what you okay we we love popcorn flicks and they're fun and sometimes they can be dumb but this movie for me is the best example of it is a popcorn flick that is smart. It's intelligent. It has real, real important themes and and underlying emotions. And you can delve deeper into it no matter who you are. And you can also literally just watch it and be entertained without thinking about all that bullshit too. And <laughs> and as far as, as I go when it comes to looking for entertainment or escapism, that's 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 it for me. That's my... That's my uh, my cookies and my milk right there. It's Terminator there 2. There you go. All right. Yes. I, I think this is like a very much an iconic movie of the 90s. It is a great example of how sequels can work and can be better than the original. Or can at least take the original and improve on it. Um, that's another like great example of that as well. And just... It's just a, it's just a fucking, it's just a fucking awesome good movie. There's not a bad scene in it. Um, I could easily watch this over and over and over again, not get tired of it. Uh, the soundtrack, we didn't really talk on the soundtrack. Guns and Roses uh, shows up. Yes. <laughs> Guns yes! and Roses. The music video had Arnold in it. <laughs> Him <laughs> walking around the that. contest. Right. Like he's walking around the concert and he's, and he, yeah. <laughs> He goes up to Axel Rolls. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yes. and then you know, you've and and from here on out too, um, my my now husband, but at the time when I was dating him, he mm-hmm. had the same motorcycle when I first started dating oh, him that Arnie nice, had in it. Nice. He called nice. it Terminator. I was like, <laughs> listen, listen. That's why buddy. that's why you married him. Okay. That's yeah. that's that that was definitely a connection right there. And he loved that's Tremors why. too. That's but, why. But you are you kidding me? I'm like, okay, not only do you have the same bike, but you had the know-how and you understood that that is what aren't. Yeah, that was yes. hot. It definitely okay. was. All right. Well, now now we know that you fucked in that motorcycle. All right. Well, Heather, thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you. You want to talk about your book? By all means, go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going on a show. I should probably promote the things that I'm doing. I always forget to do that. Uh, my, my, <laughs> I, I always do. I'm always like shocked. Like what? Where where am I at? I have no idea. The Internet is so confusing. I'm getting I, I'm getting to the age where one day I, I'm actually going to be able to make that work for me. Um, you, you, you can find my book. It's called the prophecy. It's going to be a trilogy. Uh, part one just came out in July. It's part one. It's titled lost. You can find it on Amazon right now. Um, my pen name is HB Walsh. Uh, so you can find it on there or you could go to my website, heatherbaxendall.com. And I, I probably have the links on there. I should probably go check. (laughs) (laughs) If not, if not follow me on the socials and it has all the links to, to find, to, to find the book. But, uh, this, this was a, this was a really, really big deal for me. This was me finally just writing something that I wanted to have exist in the world. It was a book that I wanted to read more than anything. And it got my, it got my writing juices going again. So part two. Yeah. And part two should be out by Christmas. It's called. Oh, nice. uh, Nice. Yeah. It's called bounty hunters. Oh, 
fun. Okay, yeah. look forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, 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 there's lots of, it's action, science fiction, fantasy, and a little bit of horror, Soto. A little bit oh, of horror. Okay, all right, you, you got me. You got me on all of that, so. All right, well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate uh, talking to you about one of your favorite movies, so thanks. Thank you for having me on, Soto. It was a good time. That's the bomb, yo. 90 hella rad movies from the 90s is hosted, written, and edited by me, Jason Soto. I can be found on Twitter at Famous Comedian, or you can email me any questions, comments, or concerns to rabbitholepod at gmail.com, spelled R-B-B-T-H-O-L-E-P-O-D. This show is a Rabbit Hole Podcast production. You can find this episode and several other great podcasts over at rabbitholepodcasts.com and you can follow Rabbit Hole Podcast on Twitter at rabbitholepod r-b-b-t-h-o-l-e-p-o-d until next time I'm Jason Soto and remember wear sunscreen copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts rabbitholepodcasts.com